about how to produce something and to make money. We, we haven't figured that out here at Bear Valley Church. Neither of those things are true. Um, or maybe you've been a part of a team, a team, like you've been, you played sports, you're a great athlete. So I see some great athletes here. Uh, I also see some awkward people that, uh, yeah, do other things. Um, but, uh, or maybe you're a, a school, you, you've been a part of a school in education and you think, oh, a church is a lot like education. Uh, you learn a bunch of stuff. And I just want to tell you that the ideas and the, the, the structure of a church doesn't come from any of those things. Uh, it comes from the Word of God. And I want to go through briefly here this morning um, these four passages that uh, we've had our people read. Uh, what a blessing to hear uh, the young and the old um, and those in between and to think through these scriptures in light of who we are here at Bear Valley Church. And this service is a lot for those of you who have come and joined us in the last three, four, five years. Um, you haven't been a part of the long history. In fact, uh, those of you who have been part of the long history, uh, there's very few of you now. And uh, uh, that is beginning. And so there's a new generation of people here at Bear Valley Church. And what we're doing is we're turning back to those basic principles, those ideas found in God's Word. I say ideas. They're not ideas like, yeah, I'll take that idea or that idea. It's what God has said. This is what my church will be. This is what it is. And so uh, as we look at this this morning, you've already heard these scriptures I just want to walk you through some things. Let me pray and just ask God's blessing on our time. God, as we go to your word, I I pray that we would uh, be people with multiple hearts. I I pray that we would be rejoicing even now as we think about what you've done. And for those who had seen uh, the sanctuary before this happened and to realize how beautiful it is, but realize that it's just a tool, a place where we could gather in your name and that uh, this good work of the church could go on. Uh, God, do your work in us now, um, that we would hear your word and that we would be clear in our own minds what role we play in it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Psalm 78 that uh, Judah and Brandon uh, read, um, what a blessing. Uh, In Psalm 78, it tells us some things, and I I just want to... encourage you to join with me as you think about this. And uh, as I think about the future, uh, it's not just about me as a pastor, but it's about us. And if you are a part of Bear Valley Church, if this is your church, if this is the place you're going to be and serve and grow, hey, let's do these things. Let's do these things. And the first one that we should do is let's tell of what he has done. Let's tell of what he has done. Uh, as in Psalm 78 and verse 4, uh, it says something so odd to me as I heard it and I, as I read it. It says, we, we will not hide them from our children. The things that God has done, we will not hide them from our children. And I started to t- think about that. What would that look like to hide the work of God from our children? Those of you who are parents and grandparents here, uh, I, I want you to think about that. What would that look like in your home to hide the things of God, the things that he has done? Well, when we hide something, sometimes in embarrassment, we tell people, there's nothing to see here. 
Keep moving. There's nothing to see here. We're, we're hiding. Uh, it's that, that idea of guilt. Maybe it's as we've looked at our little ones and we've, uh, we've told them about our lives, we looked at the accomplishments that we have done and we say, well, well you know how that got done, right? Hard work and dedication. Hard work and dedication. All the things that, I, uh, that you see here, kids, is from your dad's hard work and determination. Or maybe as you look at your children, uh, you, you just go like this. You say, you're awesome. You're awesome. And I know as little ones, we, we tell them things like, Johnny, you're so smart. You're the smartest kid in the class. Johnny, you're so uh, fast, or you're so strong, or you're so good-looking. You know, you're smarter than everybody else. And you know why? That right there, what comes next, determines whether you're hiding it or telling of His goodness. That, 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 That little slot right there. Sometimes we tell our kids, you know, you need to work harder. You need to go to the right college. You need to get the right scholarship. You need to accomplish this or accomplish that. You need to fill your time with this and that. You need to stop doing this and that. And we forget and we hide. We, we hide the goodness of God. We hide it. Chapter, uh, verse 4, it says, um, We will not hide them from our children but we will tell to the coming generation. We will tell them. We will speak. It's the idea that as we see things in life that God has done, we'll go, stop our kids. I need to tell you about this right now. Kids love that when you talk to them a lot and long. They love it. They love it. But we need to tell them. We need to tell them. You know why? Because if we don't tell them, they won't know. They won't know. There's, there's this emphasis in this, this section of Scripture of telling the next generation. We tell them, so we speak as we tell them. And, and, and what are we talking about? We're, we're talking about the things of our lives, the, the places where God has shown up. And what are we telling them? We're telling them, verse 4, the glorious deeds of the Lord, His might and His wonders that He has done. He has done. You should be able to recount your family history and to tell it to the next generation, your kids and grandkids, and you should be able to say, God was good to me that day. God was good to me this day. I remember the day you were born. God blessed me with you. I remember that. I remember that as you go through pictures, you should be able to say, you see this picture right here? God was good to me this day. This was a great day. God, God provided for us. What we're supposed to be speaking about is what God has done, not glorifying uh, the minuscule contribution of man, right? Uh, we're not to glorify man, but we are to glorify God, to put him on display in front of our kids, to tell them about him. If you skip down to verse 6, it's, it's very, I love the way this comes out. It says, uh, verse 6, that the next generation might know them. They might know. It should be as your, your kids get to be teenagers and even leave the house that they can recount 
God's goodness to your family. That they would know uh, on those different days that you have talked about, that they might know the stories, that they might know uh, conclusively that God has been good. And it says something so important for us, even as we talked about last week. Who who should know the next generation, verse 6, the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn. They're in our midst right here. There's constantly children being born. We love it. We love it. But there are kids that haven't been born that they need to know. I had my prop up here today. It's a good picture. He needs to know. He's not going to be cute like that forever, right? He's going to break stuff at my house. Some of you grandparents, that's good preaching right there. Yeah, you know. Those who are yet unborn. And and this is so hard for uh, us to gather. Verse 6 says, As the children yet unborn, and arise to tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope on God. Did you see what went on there? He said, to the ones unborn, and to the ones who are children of those unborn. Right? Are are you getting this? Uh, I didn't bring it today, but I could have brought the little Russian doll thing, right? It just keeps going, right? It just keeps going, getting smaller. This is the picture here in God's Word, chapter 78, Psalms. That the generations might know that, that it would be that little Russian doll thing and that there would be generations, the next one on top of the next one. And what is it that they're to know and how is this supposed to help them? Verse 7 Uh, So that they should set their hope in God. So that they should be hopers in God. That they would go about their lives. And you you think about, we have our our youth in here today. And uh, thanks for hanging with us today, youthers. Um, Some of you didn't get the memo or the email or the text or the DM uh, that uh, there was no youth Sunday school. But anyways, uh, the, the, the picture here. You're to hope in God. And when? I want to tell you what the decisions of life. Where should you move? Where should you go to school? Who should you marry? Who should you hang out with? Who should you date? How, you know, uh, should we have kids? And how, that, how that's going to work? And how this keeps... There's always this question of life. There's all these things going on. What should I do? And in those things, all of them, that you would hope in God. You would hope in God. Um. And you should get that from the older people in your life, your parents and the people at church here. You should see it in their lives. They, they hoped in God, and they, they were in a mess. They hoped in God, and this is what happens. This is what we do. We hope in God. We are people who hope in God. Verse 7 also uh, says this, the opposite could be true. We don't want this to be true. It's in the negative. And, and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. What happens if you don't hope in God? Well... You forget about God, and you do things on your own. You use the world's devices. You say, I'll just figure it out on my own. I'll let some godless person tell me how to fix this problem in my life. I will follow in the ways of people who are heading to hell. That's what I'm going to do. I want to tell you, that's forgetting God's goodness instead of hoping in God for the things that he has for you. So the first thing is let us tell 
what he has done. Second thing, I would say this, let us value kids in the work of God. Psalm 127, uh, the Dobrenin ladies shared with us Psalm 127. What an amazing uh, passage, and it's important for us to remember. It says this, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the house. If you're building a house, if you're building a family, if you're building a church, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Meaning, you worked really hard, but it comes to nothing. You want to have a nothing family? Factor God out of it. You want to have a nothing life, a nothing career? Factor God out of it. This church could become nothing, be futile, vain, nothing. How do we do that? We do it on our own. Unless the Lord shows up and, and he works in us and works, we will labor in vain. It won't come to anything. He goes on to say in uh, Psalm 127, verse 3, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward and then he says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And, and, and this picture here is that kids are good, especially if you're fighting a war, right? Uh, if, if you're planning on doing something generationally, you, you need kids. They're important. And so there's this idea here in this passage, very important, is first of all, that God is the one building. It's his work that needs to show up. He needs to be a part of whatever we're doing and that we need to see Little ones, those next generations, as valuable treasures, treasures. Um, there is uh, there's evidence. There's evidence here at Bear Valley Church that kids are present. After we eat pizza over there, there will be evidence. There will be evidence that kids were there. You have kids that you know are, are terrorists. Maybe the patio is a good spot for you. But, but I want you to know, I want you to know, when they're little, they are a mess. They are a mess. But this passage right here is that picture, that picture that uh, a man is thinking through. He says, God needs to show up and, and work in my family. And uh, these little ones, they are a treasure. They're an inheritance. They're valuable. And they're especially valuable as they get to be older. And I contend at the gates this picture of, of uh, needing some backup. They're, that's what they're there for. They're meant to join you as adults in the work of God. So let's value kids in the work of God. Hard to remember sometimes that we are needy, and if God doesn't show up, we're up a creek. Hard to remember that. Uh, if we looked closely at the evidence in our own lives, we would have reasons to remember, right? Unless the Lord builds the house. I want to tell you, some of you like the idea of uh, DIY. I, I want to tell you, your family is not a DIY project. Um, you're, this church is not a DIY project. Uh, you might participate, but the idea, is, if God is not at work in your family, in your church, in your life, it's going to be a mess. I, 
I want us to see little ones and envision them as adults that take our places. It's not hard to see around here because we do see people uh, that have grown up here that have uh, now become adults and now are serving here in this place. So let's do that. Let's uh, remember the treasure of children and the work of God. Let's also... Let's also receive, run, and pass off. Receive, run, and pass off. And what do I mean by that? Well, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Art shared with us, there's this picture of of passing it on, passing it on, passing it on to uh, as you get the the word of God. and, And Paul, the apostle Paul, shared with Timothy. And in places he says, my dear son. And what he is saying to Timothy, I'm an old guy. I've passed this off to you. Now you pass it off to others. Do you get the picture? Uh, Really, he's talking about three generations of faith. The Apostle Paul, Timothy, someone else. Pass it off to someone else. And, and eventually, them pass it off to someone else. It's interesting in, in families, uh, most of the time there's three generations. There's three generations. There's the grandparents, there's the parents, and then there's the kids. Sometimes there's four. In certain crazy situations, there's five. Um, and what you get here is this picture of passing it off. Uh, I... I um, I was on the track team. I was wondering how I should say that because some of you probably don't look at me and they, you say, man, he looks like he's fast. Uh, <laughs> I was a shot putter, okay? Um, but I, I remember it's one of the really pinnacles of a track meet is always the four by 100. And I always watched as they would practice and they would practice over and over. And it wasn't just about being fast. It was about what? The handoff. The handoff, and they were they were marking, and they were stepping, and they were you know marking, and they had a piece of tape, and and then they they would come to that 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 zone there, and they take off, and they go, and then when they were ready to do it, they'd say stick, and the one person puts his hand back, and the other person goes ding, and I, I remember the you, you see it all the time if you ever watch track, it's one of the uh, it's not funny, but it kind of is funny, but um, if if the runner ahead takes off too fast. Uh, They're going like this, and there's nothing there because the other person can't reach him. And uh, there's this frantic look that some of the runners get when they just throw it. (laughs) It's so funny to watch. Because in their mind, they're going, we're not going to win without the baton, but I can't get it to him. I'll just chuck it and hope, you know. The handoff is critical. And what happens is uh, they're watching someone run, and then they're getting ready to run, and then they're running alongside each other, with each other, pushing one another, and then finally the handoff happens, they're still running, and then that person's off, and then the the one behind kind of slows and watches their teammates run. And there's another handoff, and then there's another handoff. And it's all part. Well, what's the most important thing? The baton, right? 
It's that the baton keeps moving and eventually crosses the finish line. This is the picture that Paul gives. This from one to another to another. I want to encourage you that we're a bunch of people here, and this is what we should be doing. You say, well, how do you do this? I say, well, first got to know something. You've got to know something. And, and, and what we're talking about right here is not just know something, know Jesus. You look at, if you think about, uh, so where did, what did Paul, where did Paul get his message? He got it from Jesus. He was an apostle. And so he got it from Jesus. He passed it on to Timothy. Timothy was passing it on to someone. And I, I don't want to get freaky here, but like, I, want, I want you to get this. How did I get it? How did I get the gospel? Well, probably from someone who got it from someone else, who got it from someone else, who got it from someone else, and got it from someone else. I don't know how many someone else's there were in between there. I probably could figure it out. I couldn't figure it out, but I could guess. But I I want you to know this, that somebody probably got it from Timothy, who got it from Paul, who got it from Jesus. This is how the message uh, flows down. And I want to encourage you. This church is not just about you getting through the day. We want you to get through the day by God's help. But we also want you to be a part of passing it on, passing it on. Know God first and then pass it on to those who know less than you or don't know him yet. Be faithful to hand it off. My last point here this morning from Ephesians, from Ephesians, Uh, and Caleb's mighty men were up here uh, reading this with him. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Uh, if you go through this passage, it's an amazing passage. It's hard to really think through because it talks about the love of God. And what about the love of God? That it's so vast and so deep and so amazing that you might know the love of God. That you might know the love of God, that you might know His love deeply And that God should receive the glory from that. It's his prayer. It's his prayer that that they might know the love of God. And that should be our prayer here this morning. I want to suggest something to you. Uh, As a part of the rededication, uh, we thought of ideas. I was thinking of ideas of renaming the church. I was thinking this. uh, Bosler Memorial Church. That has a great ring to it, doesn't it? Oh, maybe, maybe you don't like that. How about Schlecht Chapel? Stone House of God. Many different names could come up with. Some of you just broke out in a rash when I said Bosler Memorial. I'm with you. Who should receive the glory from anything that goes on here? God should. Not because any of us are humble. Not because of any of us being humble. It's because it's true. It's right. It's good. God did the work, so he should receive the glory. What's so fascinating about this uh, passage, the way it ends up, it says, verse 21, to him be glory in the church. To him be glory in the church. If anything good happens here, to him be the glory in the church. If, 
if people showed up this way, God's glory is on display here, that he deserves the credit for you all coming this morning. The idea that we have kids here, he deserves the glory that good stuff is going on with them, that they're learning of the gospel. Kids are going to go to high school, middle school, are going to go to camp here. Who deserves the credit for that? God deserves the credit. His goodness is on display. That we would be able to be a church for this long and that we would be able to preach his word. Who deserves the credit? God deserves the credit. And, and as it comes together, verse 21, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, what? Throughout all generations. There's going to be a, a day uh, when you're dead and gone. Me too. Even the, the young people here, them, them too. God deserves the glory in those who are in their 80s, in their 70s, in their 60s, 50s, that's my group, 40s, 30s, 20s, teens, little people. God deserves the glory in all generations. For how long? Forever and ever, amen. Forever and ever, amen. God, thank you for this time in your word. Uh, We ask your blessing. Uh, in us and through us as we think this through. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.